Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. There's also an option to subscribe to have both the daily lesson and the text for the day sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we begin a new chapter. Chapter not, uh, whoops, 6, Attack and Fear. We'll be reading Section 1, The Introduction, and of Section 2, The Message of the Crucifixion, the first paragraphs ending at paragraph 9 today. Uh, we're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 62. Forgiveness is my function as the light of the world. And by way of opening this morning, I found this poem from Hafiz uh, that I think is really magnificent in light of this function. The poem is called, Can Any Beauty Match This? When the sun within speaks, when love reaches out its hand and places it upon another, any power the stars and planets might have upon us, any fears you can muster, can become so rightfully insignificant. What one heart can do for another heart, is there any beauty in the world that can match this? Brotherhood, sisterhood, humanity, becomes the joy and the emancipation. Forgiveness is my function as the light of the world. Amen. Thank you, Laurie. Mm-hmm. My privilege. You're welcome. Sorry. Thanks, guys. Okay, my friends, here's our reading list this morning. We have Fran, Lemoyne, Charles, and Robin Marie. We're joined in listening this morning by Harrison and Judy. And I wonder, has anyone else joined us? I'd like to say good morning or be on the reading list. Good morning, this is Sandra. I can read. Oh, good. Thanks, Sandra. Mm-hmm. All righty. So we'll get started then in Chapter 6, Attack and Fear, Section 1, Introduction. The relationship of anger to attack is obvious, but the inevitable association of anger and fear is not always so clear. Anger always involves projection of separation, which must ultimately be accepted as entirely one's own responsibility. Anger cannot occur unless you believe you have been attacked, that the attack was unjust, and you are in no way responsible. Given these three wholly irrational premises, the equally irrational conclusion that a brother is worthy of attack rather than love follows. 
What can be expected from insane premises except an insane conclusion? Fran. Attack and fear. One, introduction. The relationship of anger to attack is obvious, but the inevitable association of anger and fear is not always so clear. Anger always involves projection of separation, which must ultimately be accepted as entirely one's own responsibility. Anger cannot occur unless you believe that you have been attacked, that the attack was unjust, and you are in no way responsible. Given these three wholly irrational premises, the equally irrational conclusion that a brother is worthy of attack rather than of love follows. What can be expected from insane premises except an insane conclusion? Chapter 2. Paragraph 2, I'm sorry. Sorry about my dog. (laughs) The way to undo an insane conclusion is to consider the sanity of the premises on which it rests. You cannot be attacked. Attack has no justification, and you are responsible for what you believe. You have been agreed to you have been asked to take me as your model for learning, since an extreme example is a particularly helpful learning device. Everyone teaches and teaches all the time. This is a responsibility which he inevitably assumes the moment he accepts any promise at all. And no one can organize his life without any thought system. Once he has developed a thought system of any kind, he lives by it and teaches it. Thank you, Fran. And Lemoyne. Are you on mute, Lemoyne? I was reading on mute, yep. Okay. okay, thanks. The way to undo an insane conclusion is to consider the sanity of the premises on which it rests. You cannot be attacked. Attack has no justification, and you are responsible for what you believe. You have been asked to take me as your model for learning since an extreme example is a particularly helpful learning device. Everyone teaches and teaches all the time. This is a responsibility which he inevitably assumes the moment he accepts any premise at all and no one can organize his life without any thought system. Once he has developed a thought system of any kind, excuse me, he lives by it and teaches it. You've been chosen to teach the atonement precisely because you have been extreme examples of allegiance to your thought system and therefore have developed a capacity for allegiance. It has indeed been misplaced, but it is a form of faith which you yourselves have been willing to redirect. 
You cannot doubt the strength of your devotion when you consider how faithfully you have observed it. It was quite evident you had already developed the ability to follow a better model if you could accept it. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Charles. You have been chosen to teach the atonement directly because you have been extreme examples of allegiance to your thought systems, therefore have developed a capacity for allegiance. It has been misplaced, but it is a form of faith which you yourselves have been willing to redirect. You cannot doubt the strength of your devotion when you consider how faithfully you have observed it. It is quite evident that you've had already developed the ability to follow a better model if you could but accept could accept it. I guess I go on to the next one, do I? Yes, please. Right. Uh, 6-2, the message of the crucifixion, paragraph 4. For teaching purposes, let us consider the crucifixion again. We have not dwelt on it before because of its fearful connotations. The only emphasis we laid upon it was that it was not a form of punishment. Nothing, however, can be really explained in negative terms only. There is a positive interpretation of the crucifixion, which is wholly devoid of fear and then therefore wholly benign in what it teaches, if it is properly understood. The crucifixion is nothing more than an extreme example. Its value, like the value of any teaching device, lies solely in the kind of learning it facilitates. It can be and has been misunderstood. This is only because the fearful are apt to perceive fearfully. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. And Robin Marie. Six, attack and fear. Two, the message of the crucifixion. Four, for teaching purposes, let us consider the crucifixion again. We have not dwelt on it before because of its fearful connotations. The only emphasis we laid upon it was that it was not a form of punishment. Nothing, however, can be really explained in negative terms only. There is a positive interpretation of the crucifixion, which is wholly devoid of fear, 
and therefore wholly benign in what it teaches, if it is properly understood. The crucifixion is nothing more than an extreme example. Its value, like the value of any teaching device, lies solely in the kind of learning it facilitates. It can be and has been misunderstood. This is only because the fearful are apt to perceive fearfully. I have already told you that you can always call on me to share my decision and thus make it stronger. I also told you that the crucifixion was the last foolish journey that the sonship need take and that it should mean release from fear to anyone who understands it. While we emphasized only the resurrection before, the purpose of the crucifixion and how it actually led to the resurrection was not clarified at that time. Nevertheless, it has a definite contribution to make to your own lives. And if you will consider it without fear, it will help you understand your own role as teachers. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Sandra. Hi. I have already told you that you can always call on me to share my decision and thus make it stronger. I also told you that the crucifixion, the last foolish journey that the sonship need take and that it should mean release from fear to anyone who understands it. While we emphasize only the resurrection before, the purpose of the crucifixion and how it actually led to the resurrection was not clarified at that time. Nevertheless, it has a definite contribution to make to your own lives. And if you will consider it without fear, it will help you understand your own roles as teachers. Was I supposed to read four? No. Okay. Uh, no, just five and six. Thanks. Okay. You have reached for years as if you were being crucified. Sorry, you have reacted for years as if you were being crucified. This is a marked tendency of the separated ones who always refuse to consider what they have done to themselves. Rejection means anger. Anger fosters assault. And assault promotes fear. The real meaning of the crucifixion lies in the apparent intensity of the assault of some of the sons of God upon another. This, of course, is impossible and must be fully understood as an impossibility. In fact, unless it is fully understood as only that, I cannot serve as a real model for learning. Thank you, Sandra. And would there be a new reader for 6 and 7? Good morning, Laurie. It's Karen. I can do it. Thanks, Karen. 6. You have reacted for years as if you were being crucified. This is a marked tendency of the separated ones who always refuse to consider what they have done to themselves. Projection means anger. Anger fosters assault, and assault promotes fear. The real meaning of the crucifixion 
lies in the apparent intensity of the assault of some of the sons of God upon another. This, of course, is impossible and must be fully understood as an impossibility. In fact, unless it is fully understood as only that, I cannot serve as a model for learning. Seven, assault can ultimately be made only on the body. There is little doubt that one body can assault another and can even destroy it. Yet, if destruction itself is impossible, then anything that is destructible cannot be real. Therefore, its destruction does not justify anger. To the extent to which you believe that it does, you must be accepting false premises and teaching them to others. The message which the crucifixion was intended to teach was that it is not necessary to perceive any form of assault in persecution because you cannot be persecuted. If you respond with anger, you must be equating yourself with the destructible and are therefore regarding yourself insanely. Thank you, Karen. And is there a new reader for seven and eight? Seven and eight. Back to you. Okay, Judy, thanks. Thank you, Lori. Uh, Seven, assault can ultimately be made only on the body. There is little doubt that one body can assault another and even destroy it. Yet, if destruction itself is impossible, then anything that is destructible cannot be real. Therefore, its destruction does not justify anger. To the extent to which you believe that it does, you must be accepting false premises and teaching them to others. The message which the crucifixion was intended to teach was that it is not necessary to perceive any form of assault in persecution because you cannot be persecuted. If you respond with anger, you must be equating yourself with the destructible and therefore regarding yourself insanely. I have made it perfectly clear that I am like you and you are like me. But our fundamental equality can be demonstrated only through joint decision. You are free to perceive yourself as persecuted if you choose. You might remember, however, when you when you do choose to react that way, that I was persecuted as the world judges and did not share this evaluation for myself. And because I did not share it, 
I did not strengthen it. I therefore offered a different interpretation of attack and one which I do want to share with you. If you will believe it, you will help me to teach it. Thank you, Judy. And do we have a new reader for eight and nine? Thanks, Harrison. I have made it perfectly clear that I am like you and you are like me. But a fundamental equality can be demonstrated only through joint decision. You're free to perceive yourselves as persecuted if you choose. You might remember, however, when you do choose to react that way, that I was persecuted as the world judges and did not share this evaluation for myself. And because I did not share it, I did not strengthen it. I therefore offered a different interpretation of a task, and one which I do want to share with you. If you will believe it, you will help me to teach it. Nine. We've said before, as you teach, so shall you learn, unquote. If you react as if you are persecuted, you are teaching persecution. This is not a lesson in which the sons of God should want to teach if they are to realize their own salvation. Rather, teach your own perfect immunity, which is the truth in you, and know that it cannot be assailed. Do not protect it yourselves, or you have believed that it is assailable. You're not asked to be crucified, which was part of my own teaching and contribution. You're merely asked to follow my example in the face of much less extreme temptations to misperceive and not to accept them falsely as justifications for anger. Thank you, Harrison. And is there a new reader to complete today with paragraph 9?
Okay, back to you, Fran. Nine. We have said before, quote, as you teach, so shall you learn, unquote. If you react as if you are persecuted, you are teaching persecution. This is not a lesson which the sons of God should want to teach if they are to realize their own salvation. Rather, teach your own perfect immunity, which is the truth in you, and know that it cannot be assailed. Do not protect it yourselves, for you have believed that it is assailable. You are not asked to be crucified, which was part of my own teaching contribution. You are merely asked to follow my example in the face of much less extreme temptations to misperceive and not to accept them falsely as justifications for anger. Thank you, Fran. And thank you, everyone, who read this morning. And just to touch on a few ideas, then, from these first two sections, half section of section nine. Anyway, to summarize a few ideas from that first paragraph, the relationship of anger to attack is obvious, but the inevitable association of anger and fear is not always so clear. Anger always involves projection of separation, which must ultimately be accepted as entirely one's own responsibility. In paragraph two, the way to undo an insane conclusion is to consider the sanity of the premises on which it rests. You cannot be attacked. Attack has no justification, and you are responsible for what you believe. You have been asked to take me as your model for learning, since an extreme example is a particularly helpful learning device. Everyone teaches and teaches all the time. Once he's developed a thought system of any kind, he lives by it and teaches it. Paragraph 3. You have been chosen to teach the atonement precisely because you have been extreme examples of allegiance to your thought systems and therefore have developed the capacity for allegiance. You cannot doubt the strength of your devotion when you consider how faithfully you've observed it, it was quite evident that you had already developed the ability to follow a better model if you could accept it. In section two, the message of the crucifixion, there is a positive interpretation of the crucifixion, which is wholly devoid of fear and therefore wholly benign in what it teaches if it is properly understood. The crucifixion is nothing more than an extreme example. It can be and has been misunderstood. This is only because the fearful are apt to perceive fearfully. In five, I have already told you, you can always call on me to share my decision and thus make it stronger. I also told you that the crucifixion was the last foolish journey that the sonship need take and that it should mean release from fear to anyone who understands it. And if you will consider it without fear, it will help you understand your own role as teachers. In six, 
To react as if you were being crucified is a marked tendency of the separated ones who always refuse to consider what they have done to themselves. The real meaning of the crucifixion lies in the apparent intensity of the assault of some of the sons of God upon another. This is, of course, impossible and must be fully understood as an impossibility. In fact, unless it is fully understood as only that, I cannot serve as a real model for learning. Seven, assault can ultimately be made only on the body. If destruction itself is impossible, then anything that is destructible cannot be real. Therefore, its destruction does not justify anger. To the extent to which you believe that it does, you must be accepting false premises and teaching them to others. The message which the crucifixion was intended to teach was that it, to perceive any form of assault and persecution because you cannot be persecuted. In eight, I've made it perfectly clear that I am like you and you are like me. But our fundamental equality can be demonstrated only through joint decision. I was persecuted as the world judges and did not share this evaluation for myself. And because I did not share it, I did not strengthen it. I therefore offered a different interpretation of attack and one which I do want to share with you. If you will believe it, you will help me teach it. In paragraph 9, we said before, as you teach, so shall you learn. Teach your own perfect immunity, which is the truth in you, and know that it cannot be assailed. You are being asked to follow my example in the face of much less extreme temptations to misperceive and not to accept them falsely as justifications for anger. Extreme temptations to misperceive. And with that, we'll say amen. And the floor is open for a few minutes, uh, 10 minutes before the top of the hour when we'll reflect on our lesson today. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you, Laurie. This is Charles here. Um, I've been having some somewhat of an insight to the idea of crucifixion of how this really speaks to me, the idea of the shame and guilt I might feel when I ingest something that I feel guilty ingesting or feel shamed about or feel I need to protect myself from whatever I put inside my body and how I realize that I'm protecting myself from an assault. And I've offered to the Holy Spirit, gives me the new prayer, it says, take this shame and guilt from me. Let me not see it as a sign of sin or death that you may facilitate the coming of peace thereof and you may decide for God for me. It's just the shame and guilt I feel when I share things that I feel aren't the best for me. And I sort of realize that 
I get myself set into a situation. And so I really appreciate this idea when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and life. Um, and that the body cannot be attacked unless I justify it. And I believe in it. So I thought I'd share that. Thank you. And it's an ongoing thing with me. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for sharing that, Charles. Take this from me. I, I really love that quote. Thank, Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Lori, for Thank your you, And everyone for reading. I just have a quickie, nothing really deep, but um, a funny thought occurred to me in paragraph three when he says, you have been chosen to teach the atonement precisely because you have been extreme examples of allegiance to your thought systems. And I thought, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've been an extreme in extreme allegiance to being an egomaniac, and that's why I've been chosen. <laughs> and the capacity for allegiance has been willing, I've been willing to redirect because I've, I've so, so acknowledged the, fa- the failure of that thought system. Um, and to just thank you, Lori, for Haviz's, can any beauty um, match, match this? It's following this willingness to be directed and follow Jesus Christ as a model for a thought system. It just strikes me as the most lovely thought I've had. So, well, not the loveliest, but one of the loveliest I've been having so far today. Thank you all for joining together in this wonderful journey. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, thank Judy. You. Yeah, thank, thank you. So much. Good morning, it's Karen. Um, go ahead, Karen, I'll go after you. Okay, um, every once in a while, you know, you read something in this book and it's like your story. And this was my story. All my life, actually, I felt like I was being crucified and persecuted. Um, and it's really hard when you're stuck in your ego to understand what you're doing wrong. I mean, if you've been trained to perceive life as hurting you always, it's very hard to step outside that. Um, I was living in the ashram and I was being, my, my triggers were so activated by so many things constantly. Um, that I felt like I was being crucified and tortured, constantly tortured and persecuted. And here Jesus is explaining to me finally the answer. If you feel like you're a body, and if you feel self-identified as your ego with a history of being attacked or tortured or persecuted or abused, I guess abused is the real best word for it, you know, a childhood of abuse. If you're self-identified as the false self, you're stuck. The Course is teaching me that's not who I am. That's what it's teaching me, nor am I separate. And it says here, you have reacted for years as if you are being crucified, which is the tendency of the separated ones who always refuse to consider what they have done to themselves. 
But what does this mean? This means that I separated from God. That's the to myself part, is that I have made myself feel separate from God, and by virtue of that, I have become uh, a victim. I've become helpless. I've become um, vulnerable to the world, not to mention the fact that, of course, I created the world, but um, and fearful, so fearful, because when I'm not connected to God, I don't have my strength. You know, God is the strength in which I trust. God is my strength. If I separate from God, then I can be crucified. And I've always felt like I was being crucified. It says here, you equate yourself with the destructible, and that that is regarding yourself insanely. Wow, isn't that wonderful news? It's it's such wonderful. You cannot be persecuted. You cannot be persecuted, he says. You are free to, to believe that if you want. But he offers us a different interpretation if we will believe it. If we believe what Jesus teaches us, we can strengthen that and so teach it. If you react as if you are being persecuted, you are teaching persecution. This is not a lesson the sons of God should want to teach if they are to realize their own salvation. Teach only perfect immunity because that is the truth in you. You cannot be crucified and you are not asked to be crucified, which is an extreme example. You are merely asked to believe the truth of who you are, that you cannot be crucified. Thank you. I'm complete. Oh, that was just phenomenal, Karen. What a beautiful understanding. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Karen. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, this is Sandra, and I... I totally loved your share Karen and the um, pointing to you know body identification but for me and, and there is a but because bodies can be crucified and this is this is about my free will choice to either identify with the body or identify with the truth of who I am which is spirit and as the light of the world, my function is to forgive, to forgive myself for thinking I was a body. And all the generations beforehand who perpetuated that lie <laughs> that we are bodies. But bodies can be destroyed. They are impermanent. They are, but that's not our identity. This is an identity problem. <laughs> for me because I as you Karen have experienced violation and 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 crucifixion <laughs> um, but it's it's a, and and what I understand which helps me to to have compassion for it that as bodies we have needs as <coughs> bodies they need to be fed and and you know exercised and have water and 
blah, 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 blah. We all know about all of that. But, um, and, and, and as bodies, the body gets angry when the needs aren't being met. So I can have compassion for that because all the, all the violation and the violence in the world is based in somebody thinking their needs aren't being met. But the bottom line is, is that's because I'm identified with being a body and not spirit. Because as spirit, I don't have any needs except to extend love and to share. That's my only need. But as a body, so it can get a little bit confusing because I'm having a body experience. And I do get I do feel all those feelings when my needs aren't getting met. My needs for connection, my needs for nutrition, my needs for clean air, for clean water. And, and um, you know, this world is, no, is actually the way that it is. It doesn't appear to be even capable of meeting those needs. Um, but it doesn't, does it matter if I'm not identified with being a body? That's the whole question here. And frequently I'm identified with being a body and I have to forgive myself. As the light of the world, my my main function is to forgive. So I'm going to forgive myself. I'm complete. Oh, that was a great segue uh, to the the lesson, Sandra. Thank you very much. That was fabulous. Sandra, thank you. It was like the second half of what I was thinking. Thank you. Yeah. Excellent. Hi. I'd like to ask a question after we hear Fran. If that's okay. okay. Thanks. We'll have you first after the lesson, Rob Marie. Thank you. Uh, So, Fran, so grateful we can turn to you this morning for our lesson reflection. Thankful. I'm grateful, too. Thanks a lot. Hi, everybody. We are in the first part of the workbook, and we are today we are on Lesson 62. So I shall read some from the lesson. Forgiveness is my function as the light of the world. It is your forgiveness that will bring the world of darkness to the light. It is your forgiveness that lets you recognize the light in what you see. Forgiveness is the demonstration that you are the light of the world. Through your forgiveness, does the truth about yourself return to your memory. Therefore, in your forgiveness lies your salvation. Illusions about yourself and the world are one. That is why all forgiveness is a gift to yourself. Attack must be replaced by forgiveness so that thoughts of life may replace thoughts of death. Remember that in every attack you call upon your own weakness, while every time you forgive, you call upon the strength of Christ in you. Let us be glad to end, let us be glad to begin and end this day by practicing today's idea and to use it as frequently as possible throughout the day. As often as you can, closing your eyes if possible, say to yourself, forgiveness is my function as the light of the world. I will fulfill 
my function that I may be happy. Then devote a minute or two to considering your function and the happiness and release it will bring you. Let related thoughts come freely. Should your attention wander, repeat the idea and add, I would remember this because I want to be happy. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 62, forgiveness is my function as the light of the world. Should your attention wander, repeat the idea and add, I would remember this because I want to be happy. Lesson 62, forgiveness is my function as the light of the world. Amen. Amen. I want to be happy too, friend. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Fran, it's great having you do this lesson. Thank you. Oh, thanks so much. Thank you, I love Fran. that he tells us. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Harrison. I love that he tells us it'll make us happy. Wow. What a goal. <laughs> I'm complete. Thank you, Fran. And what do you think, Robin Marie? Thank you, Fran. Yes, happiness is rooted in recognizing what's true about Um, Yeah, I just uh, was wondering, um, with the um, interpretation of Jesus' words, if possibly they were not, translated exactly the way he said them when he said uh, uh, you know when he when we are persecuted to turn the other cheek it seems very body identified and I'm wondering if there's if um, anyone has thought of another way of saying that or um, because it sounds it, if you just take it literally, it sounds as if you're saying, okay, then you can hit me on the other cheek and it's not going to hurt me. But I don't think that that would be what Jesus really said. 
So if anybody has any ideas about that, thanks. Hey, Patricia here, quickly, because very early, um, it's been a challenge for me, actually, to convince myself I am a body or a human. So I was a very weird child. (laughs) My mother, thank God, you know, she could see it and try to let me know. There, she had five kids, and then she had this one. So I'm <laughs> going to let you know that right away, you guys. And it wasn't any any wisdom; it was nature. Whenever an attack came to me, I spinned around, and uh, I turned around. I let it. I let it turn me around to stand side by side with the one that was throwing it out. And my brothers and sisters would say to me, now I couldn't describe this to anyone. So the course and, you know, being close to 80 years old doing this now, I can find words to tell you that when it came and hit one, it towards one cheek, it turned me to watch it fly by me which turned my body around to be looking towards, looking in the same direction, say my brother was, when he looked at me to yell at me. The, the yelling turned me around to look at where was that going. And so it turned out that it may have come towards my right cheek, but when I turned my body around to look at, hey, Bob, where'd that go? My left cheek was sitting side by side with him. So I knew right away what Jesus was saying. Inside me, I knew it meant, you know, that what's heading out there, it towards one identity, one side of this body, turn around and look, and it will bring your other cheek next to the one shooting out that fire. Well, my brothers and sisters would say, now I listen to them. (laughs) And we've got to laugh at whoever we are looking for this thing that's calling us to say this is our nature (laughs) because it upset them so much. They would get together. And they would try to deliberately do things like, I don't know, pour water in my bed or do all kinds of weird things and get back and wait for Patricia, for Patty back then, get upset. They would tell me now, because they're in their 70s too, they laugh together with, you know, the harder we tried to upset her, the sweeter she got. She'd make us cookies. She would do all these sugary things, and it made us so upset. We would get together and try to do more things to upset her and watch and try to see at some point, will she get upset with us? (laughs) Honey, I didn't know why, but I would. I'd go, I'd respond with, oh, they're shooting something out there, and, well, I'll go make them a bunch of chocolate chip cookies. Nowadays, I'm so old, I just fix popcorn with, you know, whatever you want. If you want caramel on one or if you want uh, hot sauce on the other, I just give you a big bowl of popcorn. But turning the other cheek is just turning around to see where did that attack head. 
where was that going? And then, oh, I can see I, I'm standing next to you. And, and this one never figured out what an enemy was. And it's been a problem. It's not been easy. I'm, I'm learning now, actually, uh, being towards that 80 mark. Uh, I, I need to understand, you know, uh, to take care of the temple that my body's giving me to be here. And that sometimes things aren't so good for me. But um, turning the other cheek, I hope that was valuable because I I love sharing it. Thank you. Yeah, that was great. Thank you. Made sense to me. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Patricia. Yeah, thanks, Patricia. Yeah. I want to I love say, that particularly uh, because um it was you know, that the the whole visual of just letting it you know, turning yourself around in the direction that the energy was going, you know, just kind of like, whoops, went right by me, is, reminds me of pa- letting it pass through. They mentioned that in the Course of Love, um, just letting it pass through. And, 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 the, and the, other side, the other thing that I wanted to mention for that is that it won't pass through if I take it personally. So when I take something personally, it is because I'm identifying with being a person and not with being spirit. I'm complete. Hi. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The um, idea that whatever we think can be hurt or destroyed, albeit the body, is not real. And that in turning the cheek, he's saying, go ahead, slap this side too because you can't hurt me. doesn't matter. You can kill me and you still can't hurt me. You can't touch what I am. The body is not real. What is real and what is true can't be hurt, can't be persecuted can't be destroyed, cannot be assailed. That is what establishes my perfect immunity, which is the truth in me. That is what establishes us as eternally innocent, that whatever is not loving is not true. And to not, it's not, the course is so clear in this forgiveness Forgiveness is forgiving something that's not true. It's the final illusion, denying what is a denial of the truth. You think you can hurt me, and I think you have hurt me, is a denial of the truth. And to deny the denial of the truth is forgiveness. (laughs) It's the final illusion. I'm forgiving something that hasn't happened. It isn't real. It hasn't happened. It doesn't exist. That it simply hasn't occurred. It's an imagination. It's a dream of judgment. It's a dream of being in a body. To wake up from the dream, we have to acknowledge that we're doing this to ourselves. I am responsible for every unforgiving, unloving thought, 
that slaps me in my face. I am the cause of my own suffering. I only suffer from false beliefs that I hold true about myself. Nobody's doing this to me except me. Forgive myself, forgiving others, and forgiving myself for believing in all the falsity and all the self-deception that this world has taught me is true. It's really down to being responsible for my thoughts that make me suffer, my thoughts that persecute me, my thoughts that make me feel crucified. I am responsible for what I think and what I believe. I believe I believe it. I believe it. Is this making me feel good? Have I lost my peace? <laughs> well, then. Who's responsible? I think the one thing that I that I disagree about that about what you said is like, okay, so you say, okay, go ahead, hit me on the other cheek. That I think is an aggressive statement. I think that spinning around makes a lot more sense to me, because like, if you just like if you see two boys on the playground and one hits another and the other just gets up and walks away and doesn't carry any aggressive thing, but maybe even like Patricia says, is able to do something kind for that person who hit him, it's a lot more meaningful to me than the boy saying, okay, hit me on the other cheek, you're not going to hurt me. So I... But I appreciate uh, being able to think about it. Thank you so much. And if I may... And um, Patricia here... Too. I'm going to go, I go could. and pop... Making popcorn? Okay, Patricia, I'll have some. <laughs> uh, I love it. No, just a really if quick you, affirma- affirmation here from me, affirmation of, of uh, my share was um, my brothers and sisters would say when they would attack that they just simply, Patricia became invisible. There was nobody there. And it, it upset them more. They got more upset towards that sister. And, and, but it kept on, their feedback now, years later, is that um, it uh, she didn't turn around to say hit the other cheek. She was not there to be hit. And my experience was that I got spun around to just see their, they were in pain. And so I evacuated. I was invisible. I never responded. I was silent. And it upset them more oftenly, yes. But then... It, they did not get another cheek to hit. And they're telling me now after 70 years, 77 or more, that they never found another cheek to hit. Thank you. I love your popcorn. Thank you. Thanks, mm. Patricia. That's beautiful. And for those who spent time in prison and in jail and learned to love the guards and to forgive and to learn to appreciate everybody's making the choices 
as they understand at the present moment and asks forgiveness and grace to to really truly love them for where they are and not seek to change them to make them something else, but to truly love them as they are, you know, takes any kind of aggressiveness out of the situation. And the grace of God just just floods inside them for where they're at, whether they're in the prison or whomever's talking to them, they just feel God's love for them. And they don't try to change them or manipulate them or control them. They just allow them to make the choices that they're making, but they can be the choice for God's love standing in front of them if they choose to look. Because Jesus was the choice for God's love for those who stood before him who chose to look. And those who chose not to look did not see that. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. And Thank Judy, you, had you had something in there that you wanted to add or clarify? I thought I heard you in there. Okay. Hi, Sharon again. I um, wanted to comment about the lesson of the day. Forgiveness is my function as the light of the world. Forgiveness will bring the world of darkness to the light. It is a demonstration that you are the light. It allows the truth to return to your memory. Illusions about yourself and the world are one. So I was thinking when I did this on the other call first thing this morning, like, well, I know I'm not supposed to go into the past and start asking, like, did I forgive this and did I forgive that? I mean, that's like an infinite journey into hell, and it just, it just like, brings life force to all the, all the things I've tried so hard to, to let go of. So I don't think introspection is the answer. What is forgiveness then? And we're sitting here and we're on this call and all of a sudden I'm feeling like so tortured, persecuted, anxious. I'm feeling all of these emotions. And the illusion is it's about something that's happening externally. And that makes me want to run away from what's happening on the on the outside plane. But forgiveness feels like it's like opening and allowing the flow of the Holy Spirit to purify that. That's what it feels like forgiveness means. Forgiveness means knowing that it's not the external world, knowing that it's a, it's not even real because of course it's temporary it's destructible it's not even real so if i react to it with fear or i react to it with trying to escape or i react to it as if i'm being persecuted um i'm empowering the the illusion so it felt like in the moment i just open and you know and say the prayer from yesterday um 
I must have chosen wrongly if I'm feeling this. I let the Holy Spirit, I will to let the Holy, Holy Spirit purify this. And then it felt like, um, it just felt like a lot of light and then it was gone. And so I'm sharing this because it's for me, that word forgiveness always meant something about something that happened on the external world. You know, it wasn't like a shift into opening and letting go of an emotion. So anyway, I I just thought it was profound and interesting. And um, I know that we get very, it, it becomes really hard when the body is really suffering to deny the reality of the situation. But I think there must be some way to apply it even to that to know that that's only temporary, like the weather. It's not real. Um, anyway, thank you so much for letting me say that. I'm complete. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Um, thank you, Karen. Thank you very much, Karen. And, you know, the thing about um, this story, the thing about the word forgiveness um, is so important for me to um, understand is that to the ego, to forgive is to make it real and then attempt to overlook it. And that feels that feels like, uh, oh, I'm being asked to look at something and then call it a lie. I mean, there's a there's an essential dissonance in the way ego regards forgiveness. I'm to see it's real and then overlook it is impossible. And um, in, in what is forgiveness, he makes it really clear that all of our trouble, all of our trouble, all of my trouble comes from unforgiving thoughts. Because if I have an unforgiving thought, I have to look all around and try to find the witnesses to its truth. And I'll overturn everything until I've convinced myself that I'm justified in having that unforgiving thought. Contrast that with forgiveness. As he says, forgiveness looks and waits and judges not. And if I give my mind that holy pause, you know, I, I, there's stimulus response, okay? I always have a choice in how I respond to something that my mind regards as a stimulus. I always have a choice. And the wisest choice for my own peace of mind is to look and wait and judge not. Then I don't need to go frantically trying to justify my thought. I take that pause. Just take that pause. And whatever uh, means you find most satisfactory to give your mind that pause, uh, use it. For me, it's I don't know. Because something needs forgiven. I've seen an error. I've misperceived something. Uh, I've called something that isn't there the truth. So if I take that pause, I can choose sanely 
how I want to respond to whatever that stimulus is. And Holy Spirit will never, ever, ever fail to guide me to that appropriate response. That's um, operating from my right mind. I need to operate from my right mind in order um, not to misperceive. And so forgiveness is like the step in that direction, just the willingness to step in that direction. And it turns out that the universe will always respond. The universe, the Holy Spirit, my holiness will always respond if I just lean toward that direction of this thought I do not want. Um, so anyway, it took me a long time, you know, Rob Marie on, or was it? No, it was Karen talking about forgiveness as an idea. It, it I took have, me a long I have a time. Comment to that. Mm. I'm sorry? Yeah, I really would love to respond to what you said. Go ahead, I, please. When you're done. Well, I think for me, it's, I've locked down the emotional body and and it isn't about what's happening. It isn't even about a thought. It's about a moment where it seems like the Holy Spirit is trying to release something. And when the feelings come up, then I start looking around and going, what's going on? What's happening? Who's hitting me? Or, you know, where am I being triggered? And it isn't even that. It's like I'm blocking the the um, the healing and the letting out of what's got to be released because I'm so, uh, I felt so tortured by these emotions or these sensations, emotional sensations. It's not even about what is happening. It's not even the thought first. It's, yeah. it's like the Holy Spirit's trying to purify something. And then I start thinking, what is it? What is it? And, and then I don't let anything get cleared, <laughs> you know, because, yeah. oh, that's not special. I've got to, get, you know, give this to the, and then I block the experience of letting go. That's mm-hmm. what it feels like to me. And so it felt like for me right this minute, forgiveness means trusting. If something's, if I'm feeling something, don't shut down, don't freeze, don't contract. Yeah open and allow the Holy Spirit and don't identify it with anything else. You know, don't look outside and say it's about anything. That's what I was trying to say. Thank you for letting me say that over. I'm sorry. I'm complete. Oh, no, no, no. That very important process that you're highlighting. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks, Karen. I was just thinking about the word forgive, and it's before it happens. You're going to wait and give love, whatever that is. So forgive, you know, has a four before it. (laughs) That helps me set my brain uh, to whatever might happen today that I am going to be listening for the Holy Spirit and ready to give love. And thank you, guys. It's been amazing. Have a good day. You too, Robin Marie. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Mm, Thank you.
I'm wondering if I can share something on mine. Is this Charles here? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what really is interesting to me when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And, uh, and I'm being of a Christian background, being of the Bible background and all that, my belief system is totally being challenged here with this book. Hmm. Um, for Jesus resurrected, did he take his body with him? Uh, did he appear to Thomas and say, held out his hand and say, touch my hands and see the wounds on my hands? Because Thomas thought he saw a ghost. It didn't seem that it was Jesus. It felt like a ghost. Uh, he became afraid. Um, because of his fear he had about death. Jesus emanated love. I mean, he emanated the, the presence of being. And he was still in form at that time. And when he went to the tomb and the tombstone rolled away and they could not find the body, um, these are all questions in my mind as I read the Course. And the frequency of the form, I see the form as a, as a vessel, an earthen vessel that adjusts to the frequency we give it. And uh, I don't know, I'm challenged by the, by the Course and I'm just I'd share that with you. I'm not saying I'm right or nothing like that. Just my beliefs are in the way of what I actually understand. So thank you for listening. I appreciate that. Thank you, Charles. 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 My uh, beginning and constant connection here to that Christ is this one that is simply showing us the eternal self, the eternal self, that any story can crucify or resurrect, any story can do what it wants to do. My Christ came with this eternal self, and then I came here to join that memory that's ripening in every one of us, the second coming within your eternal self. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. I guess I guess I, I'm thinking of the idea of the elevated divine self of form in the course of love, which seems to uh, also have me um, unsure what this is all about. I love both books, and uh, sometimes I feel in conflict because of that. Thank you. With the curriculum, oh, thank you, Charles. this body, with the course 
a miracle curriculum, this body is my temple. I am the eternal part of you. This body is my temple. I love this course, honey, and if that helps in any way, it's so wonderful to share. Thank you. Thank you, dear one. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. I still think this is Sandra. <clears throat> this is about identification. Yeah. You know, it's really about what am I identified with? Am I identified with... Uh, oh, go ahead, Lori, if you want to just expound on that. I'm sure you're going to just say what I want to say. So we're no, you say. No, you, you finish, my dear. <laughs> you well, touched on it earlier. I, yeah, it, it's just about, uh, you know, wh- what am I identified with? Bodies die. They're impermanent. And so that's enough to scare me <laughs> because I don't want to die. My, you know, if I think of, of uh, you know, bodies don't want to die. They want to live forever, but that's not, that's not their nature. Bodies are part of nature. They're constantly integrating and disintegrating and integrating and disintegrating. And, they're, and it's, a, it's a sustainable system. <laughs> but we're not bodies, and we don't die. Yes, who, yes, who meets us on the other side when we pass over? Who meets us on the other side? When we transition from this form, who is there who to greet us? us? I don't know. I haven't died yet. So, but I have. Oh, okay. this is, but if, if this is a belief system, we're talking about a belief it system is. here. It's all That's about right. what you. Yeah. So, if you believe that That's you're not right. going to die, that you're not a body, then you'll be able to let all this stuff pass right through and not be, you know, and not take it personally. It's just an experience. Okay. Um, if you think you're a body, and believe me, that there's there, even if I think I think I'm not a body, there's residue in there because this is millions of years of of our species believing that they were bodies. Mm-hmm. So we're not gonna. I, I don't think it's possible that we can just snap our finger and have that that whole system belief system evaporate. It's going to take some time yeah. and practice and repetition because we're. We're, we're, in, we're uh, our desire is to embody a whole new belief system, to embody it, mm-hmm. to have the experience yes. of it while we're in bodies. Mm. Thank you, dear one. Patricia called you, back Sandra. to tell you that, thank you, Sandra, and the, uh, um, excuse me, but I'm just compelled. I can hear myself in this call, this question of conflict between what one book says and those that follow and what another book says. I can hear you, honey. You are the wholeness. So I am the sister that can tell you I hear you. 
You are the wholeness calling out. And the sister over here wants to say to you and any eternal soul, any voice that says it's better than the other, hang up. Thank you. Thank you, dear one. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. You know, the truth will be will be revealed to each of us in our time. Um, I've gotten to the point where I just I'll try and sit back and let the Holy Spirit gently guide me beyond my old belief system to an entirely new belief system, almost the polar opposite to what I have always believed. The Holy Spirit tells me that not only am I not a body, bodies don't exist, Not only is there uh, no attack and death, but there is no world. These ideas are so foreign to us in the resistance to them is so strong because they undo an entire system that we have created. And it means the, the end of the ego thought system. And the ego thought system won't go quietly. Resistance will be strong. I remember um, one of my first encounters with Lee Flynn, um, both on the call, and then I personally met him for the first time in New York some years ago. And we had a wings to uh, to sit down one on one and talk. And one of the I guess this is not sure this is the best way to put it, but the big bone of contention between the two of us 
was the nature of the world. Uh, the Course says quite directly that there is no world. And uh, Lee and some of my other Course friends kind of added to that there is no world as I see it. Which seemed to suggest to me that they were saying there is an objective world out there. And it's just how I see that objective world that uh, is the issue that course is pointing out. And my perspective was there is no objective world out there. There are no bodies. There's no material existence whatsoever. And all of our problems stem from the belief in a material existence. Ergo bodies, the world of form, uh, death, attack, uh, crucifixion, all of that stems from a belief that there is something of form, there is something of material that has existence and that is recognized by God. And if all of that is true, then uh, issues like turning the other cheek and, and attack and crucifixion, if there is this material existence, then all of that, sickness and death, all of that is of concern, should be of concern. But if none of that has any reality and truth, no world, no bodies, no attack, no crucifixion, if none of that has occurred or can occur, then it changes the whole conversation, changes the ballgame. Then my, my relationship with God becomes my primary concern. What does it mean to be the Holy Son of God? What does it mean to be spirit? It means that nothing that seems to happen in this world, in this illusion, can have any effect on me whatsoever. 
That is a liberation. Freedom. That's heaven. I am the Holy Son of God. No body can contain my spirit nor impose upon me a limitation God created not. That's liberation. I'm complete. Thank you, Harrison. Well, thank, thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you. Does change the entire conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you. It does ripen the entire conversation for more every moment enhances the past. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning, everyone. This is Lori, and um, I very much appreciate the comments about this is a conversation about identity. And, And so is the lesson. You know, yesterday, I am the light of the world. This day is the truth about you. And so today's lesson, forgiveness is my function as the light of the world, is directing me toward an idea that I can keep the awareness that I am the light of the world always in my mind unless I let that idea be interrupted with ideas of attack or um, vulnerability, right? With ideas. Spirit's directing me to talk about this from a different angle. And so here's the angle. Um, Little boy asks his mother, "Um, I want to teach my dog. Uh, I want to train my puppy. How do I train my puppy? And mom says, well, I bet on YouTube you can find a lot of videos about how to train your puppy. And so little boy gets out his iPad or whatever, looks up on YouTube how to train my puppy, and then he sits puppy down in front of him and shows him the screen. (laughs) Here, puppy, you watch this YouTube video. Um, That's a little bit um, of an insight, I think, in terms of what he wants me to understand about today's reading. Today's reading is directed toward the idea of teaching. In order to teach something, I have to understand what it is I am teaching. And he's emphasizing that by starting out with ideas. You believe you've been attacked, that the attack was unjust, and you are in no way responsible. Given these irrational premises, 
premises. In the next paragraph, he directs us toward premises again when he said the sanity of the premises on which it rests. You cannot be attacked. Attack has no justification. And you are responsible for what you believe. And in that paragraph, he says, once you've developed a thought system of any kind, you live by it and you teach it. And so I'm sliding toward the idea of what am I and what is it I want to teach. What is teaching? Well, he says, to teach is to demonstrate. You're always demonstrating. What are you demonstrating? You're demonstrating what you believe. Now he's saying, you've been asked to teach the atonement. You've been asked to teach the atonement because you've been extreme examples of allegiance towards your thought systems. And therefore, you have the capacity for allegiance. In other words, I have a notion of what is the idea of what I am. What is my notion of what I am? Okay, I am the light of the world. Forgiveness is my function as the light of the world. You know, um, <laughs> the word function, we tend to think, okay, I'm going to do, 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 do. But what if I understood purpose as allegiance to an idea? or devotion to an idea. Now, I see something a little bit bigger. And here's where he's saying, you've been asked to take me as your model for thinking. I demonstrated in the face of much more acute attack that there's a different way that can be thought about this. And then he starts to talk about the body. Well, this is where ideas like my attack thoughts or attacking my invulnerability get helpful or my holiness envelops everything I see. Again, I'm back to what am I? Everyone teaches, teaches all the time. You teach what you believe you. You teach what you are and what someone is to you. In other words, the only thing I could ever demonstrate in my life is what I think I am. Therefore, it becomes very, very important for me to understand what I am. What am I? Can I be attacked? Can I be hurt? Can I be destroyed? Can truth be taken from me? Can I be injured? Can what I am be changed? Can God's creation be changed? This is a discussion about identity, entirely about identity. And how can I keep my identity foremost in my mind? How can I keep what I believe I am foremost in my mind? Well, I'm going to have to, I can't do that by myself. I need, I need a role model. I need someone to show me. So I demonstrated, he says, in the face of much more extreme attack, that I cannot be hurt. 
in that same vein, he says, teach no one he has hurt you. Because if you do, you're teaching yourself that you can be hurt. If I teach unforgiveness, I'm doing the same thing. I'm teaching that I can be hurt. But can I be? And that's the question. That is the question of these lessons. I am the light of the world. And how do I keep that light foremost in my awareness? I had a beautiful little piece in my in my email this morning that pointed out something very, very simple. All temptation is a temptation to doubt my identity. All temptation is a temptation to to doubt my identity. And it turns out that every time I overlook a mistake, whatever that mistake may be, every time I overlook a mistake, my mind returns to truth. The truth of my identity. And the truth of my identity, if I'm taking Christ as my role model and equality as my guide, is that we are all one capital S self. And every miracle in which I've ever been involved teaches me that this capital S self is shared. Now I am getting a, an inkling about what he's talking about when he says teaching is to share ideas. And every idea that I share strengthens it. What idea do I want to share? What idea do I want to strengthen? What idea is truth? Well, I am the light of the world and that's the idea I want to share and that's the idea I want to strengthen. That's the identity that we all share, the light of the world. And to put a punctuation mark on it, I'll just close today with uh, the last sentence that he gives us in What is the Body? He tells us later on in part two of the workbook, what is the body? And he ends that whole discussion with identify with love and you are safe. Identify with love and you are home. Identify with love and find your capitalist self. That's the identity that we all share. And every time I let forgiveness light my mind, I'm more and more aware that our capitalist self is shared and aware of the fact that any gap I perceive between us is a gap entirely in my own mind. So, forgiveness is this world's best reflection of love and that's the identity I choose to strengthen in myself every time I forgive and I'm complete um, beautiful discussion today and I sure thank you all for it and um, everyone who joined I'm so grateful that we can share these ideas and strengthen them with each other um, let's see did I have a closing <laughs> I will I did I think um, one second I'll find it
right here from atonement is a lesson in sharing atonement is for all because it is the way to undo the belief that anything is for you alone to forgive is just to overlook look then beyond error and just do not let your perception rest upon it for you will believe what your perception holds except as true only what your brother is if you would know yourself perceive what he is not and you cannot know what you are because you see him falsely remember always that your identity is shared and that it's sharing is its reality identify with love and you're safe identify with love and you are home identify with love find your capital S self amen and thank you everyone uh, really amen discussion today I've sure enjoyed it thank you Lori. thank you dear one.